This is episode 179 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. Data often shows that some students of color or by gender are overrepresented in these number of students taken out of the classroom. When students are not in the classroom, they are not receiving an equitable education. And so when it affects one race, one gender, in groups like that more than other groups, then this is disproportionality and overrepresentation and leads to issues of equity. Hello, good afternoon. I'm Kristen Grayson here at IDRA. And together with Ms. Paula Johnson, we've written an article that you'll find online on our IDRA newsletter called How Using Restorative Practices Can Prevent Exclusionary Discipline Issues. That's quite a title. Yes, it is. It's quite a title. And Ms. Johnson? This is Paula Johnson. I'm the Associate Director of the Equity Assistance Center here at IDRA. And this is one of our pieces discussing disproportional school discipline practices and some of the findings that we have uncovered as part of our literature review that will be part of our online technical assistance package. But this is a brief overview of how restorative practices can help prevent future disciplinary concerns or or misbehaviors. And so to kind of bring it into focus, we're talking about student discipline particularly those practices that take students out of the classroom and why that can lead to equity issues. And why is this an equity issue? Because data often shows that some students of color or by gender are overrepresented in these number of students taken out of the classroom. When students are not in the classroom, they are not receiving an equitable education. And so when it affects one race, one gender, in groups like that more than other groups, then this is disproportionality and overrepresentation and leads to issues of equity. Absolutely. Racial discrimination in school discipline has been under review for many years. The Office for Civil Rights posts data periodically. So the data that we have right now is actually from the 2013-14 school year. However, it is a continuing trend that has not changed and doesn't seem to be alleviating itself. It, It takes direct and explicit action based upon the data that we already have by school districts and leaders to try to make more equitable decisions regarding school discipline practices. A review that we did of the data culling disciplinary actions against students uh, by gender and by race, specifically targeting students who had been suspended one or more times. Pulling that data shows us that there is vast discrimination in population concerning black girls and black boys. The data that you can see in the article online shows that based on representation by certain students of color, the amount of their presence within the students who have been suspended once or twice uh, in out-of-school situations is extremely disparate. For example, black girls 
the percent of the population in the United States during this time frame was 16%, but their rate of suspension was 47%. And they are the highest. It's the highest for black girls and black boys. Black boys have 15% population and 37% being suspended. Whereas every other racial group of students, both genders, fall below in their disciplinary percentages. So it's just evident. It's extremely evident that there's overrepresentation in suspension in school, out of school, and even expulsions among race and gender. So the research clearly documents that black students experience more intense punishment in school than white students and receive also punitive treatment more frequently for less serious offenses than other groups. These are issues that have to be looked at, and we at the Equity Assistance Center are working to help districts look at this in a way that reforms discipline practices where it's not about student discipline, it's about student development. So that starting at an early age, teachers work on restoring or developing relationships starting at the classroom level we're talking about relationships with students now the relationships with students promote a positive school culture and climate where all students feel valued and they have positive relationships with school faculty students see teachers as models and the interactions of respect and concern help students develop themselves into responsible decision-making about their own choices and their own actions as they develop in the future. So restorative discipline is seen as a relational approach to building school climate and addressing school behavior. Yes, one thing that we are focusing on in these restorative practices is reestablishing these relationships or repairing harm rather than simply punishing students for misbehaviors or unwanted behaviors. And what we've done in our work, the approach that we try to take with school districts and campus leadership is to understand that the first vital step in reforming their discipline practices is to take a deep look at their student codes of conduct and discipline plans. For any ambiguous language, language that can be misinterpreted or taken out of context or used haphazardly among students rather than equitably, because we want treatment to be equitable rather than fair. We want it to be inclusive. So what we do find in in the data, as Kristen mentioned, when students are receiving different consequences for the same action, that's when we have to look at, is this an equitable disciplinary practice? Are boys being disciplined harsher than girls? Are black children or Hispanic children being disciplined more severely than white students? Do students that have families with lower income, are they receiving more harsh punishment than students who uh, have more family wealth? So the first thing to look at is student code of conduct to make sure that there's a tiered system of interventions based on very specific behaviors. One thing that we've noticed in our work with districts across the region is that sometimes you see a student discipline plan that says intentional disrespect of an adult. 
well, we have to define what that means and not let it be interpreted by the teachers individually, but rather have a set standard of what are the behaviors that we're looking at specifically. You know, intentional disrespect of anyone, that's how can you prove intentionality. Um, When we talk about horseplay, well, what does that mean? I've had students be expelled or have fear of expulsion over cursing. Well, what does that mean? We need a, a level of what words are we talking about? And then by whose decision is that made? And so we suggest that there are teams of teachers teachers, students, and even parents and leaders that come together on this. So one thing that we also talk about, though, that we do not mention in the article that has come up in conversation is in order to build these relationships to decrease the amount of off-task behaviors that can lead to more severe offenses by students, we have to take into account the level of academic rigor and challenge that the student is engaging in in the classroom. And one thing that research says is students who are more authentically engaged in classroom settings are less likely to display inappropriate behaviors. And so we ask teachers and districts and campuses to look at their curriculum and also while they're doing the data review for discipline to also look at the participation for underrepresented minorities and even girls in advanced courses or more challenging courses or even looking at the curriculum in what would be considered the on-level courses for the level of engagement or challenge looking at Bloom's taxonomy to see if the content is actually substantive or if it is a lot of busy work sometimes. Are students being encouraged to work in groups? Are they being encouraged to communicate effectively in the content and develop their vocabulary? And that can also be very helpful for our English learner students or students who may have been out of school for some time or students who, especially in the younger grades, have not experienced early childhood education. So there are a lot of different practices where equity is an issue when we look at student background and family background. And you're exactly right about that, Paula, because as we work with different districts, many times when we find the disproportionality or overrepresentation, let's say of black students or students of color in in discipline actions, we also find that the systems have not been created within their schools where they're funneled into advanced coursework when they get to middle school and high school. And so we're talking about other sides of the, the same, same coin, where they're they're not being challenged, they're not being engaged at right. the level of that they need to be, and and so the other consequences may be taking place. Absolutely, and that brings into our work the role of implicit bias of the level of expectations that we have of particular students. So when we have students of color, especially boys, we have a tendency, as and I'm saying this as a profession, and the research backs that up, that we have a set of lower expectations for their academic achievement. And so that's where we have to take into consideration our own awareness of our students' differences, both academically and culturally, and to increase our level of expectation of what they can, how they can perform academically. And so that builds valuing models of student interaction, valuing relationships, knowing that the student is being engaged authentically in the classroom, and that builds a more positive school climate and reduces disciplinary issues. And so 
we want to end or start closing our session today with some strategies that teachers can take to meet the needs of students through genuine interaction with them. And one of the first is simply to know our students' names and pronounce them correctly. It seems very simple to say that, but especially that knowing how to pronounce them, knowing how to spell it and how to write it, that's valuing the student's identity and the cultural background that they bring with them. This is the very simple first asset-based strategy. And then not only knowing their name, it is more difficult when you're a high school or middle school teacher and you have 120 students to 140, 150 to get to know at the beginning of the school year, but noticing when that student is gone and then when they come back to make them feel welcome to find out what's going on in their life, not just be angry with them that they didn't show up for class. Well, we want to know they could provide information that could be important as far as a health concern or anything like that. And not only do we want them to feel welcome in the classroom, we want them to know that they are supported outside of our classroom, outside of the academic setting. So it could be helpful to show support for their after-school activities, trying to attend a baseball game or a track meet or a play or even go to the chess team's you know, meeting or follow UIL. But about those personal items that are, are important to them, the activities that they do, talk to them about them. Even in the classroom, if you couldn't go, then bring up in conversation what their interests are and let them know that you're trying to incorporate those things into the classroom as far as topics of instruction. Because our real world, that's where we do our application, but talk to them beyond the, hi, how are you, how was your weekend, but get to know your students a little bit more. And the thing is that these relationships build strong physical and emotional ties to the school setting. These life skills promote social, emotional, and academic growth for our students, not just for their academic life K through 12, but also into their life and career. So these are just a few of the strategies that we suggest to restore disciplinary issues in classrooms and schools to bring valuing perspectives to students and their culture and individual selves, as Kristen said, their identity. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you have enjoyed this podcast as much as we've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for being with us. We look forward to chatting with you online. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.